We have some special guests today uh, to share with us testimony and also to share the word. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys have been going to this church for any Why? sense of time, you, you probably know the word of Oz, Sean and Christina and their kids. They have been a part of this church family, uh, whether that be here in this community for many years or overseas serving the Lord in Slovenia. And uh, they are back visiting uh, in the States for a couple months, uh, seeing family and friends and uh, visiting all the churches that support them. And they have come back to visit us, which is really fitting where, as we're going through the book of Acts because we see this example of Paul um, on more than a couple of occasions when he kind of comes back from his different missionary trips. He comes back to his home church in Antioch, right? We've seen it twice so far if you've been tracking through the book with us to give them a report of all God did um, as an encouragement to the church because the church was very much a part of that in praying for them and um, supporting them financially, basically allowing for him to minister to all ends of the earth and and the people getting saved. He very much saw them a part of that. And so that's what these guys are here to do today, to, to share through your guys' faithfulness, to pray for them and your tithes and offerings. The Lord's allowed us to be a part of many different um, missionaries and all over the world. And uh, I love it when they get to come back and tell us just all of all the fruit and what the Lord's doing. So I'm going to turn it over to Sean and Christina, and you guys can give them a warm welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, good morning. It's so good to be here with you guys. Oh, we are made to worship our King. And today I just couldn't stop tears flowing out of my eyes just to be worshiping with you in English. That's special. And actually we've had three Sundays so far in America where we've worshiped in English. And every single time I'm just an emotional wreck because it touches some parts deep inside of me. So I hope that, um, yeah, I just, it's amazing to worship with you guys. This is our family. Our kids said when we rolled into Astoria, they said, Mom, Dad, out of all the places in America, this feels like home. So It's true. Um, like Pastor Chris said, we uh, have, this is our family. You guys support us. We live in Slovenia. We have lived there for now 10 years. Um, and it was a journey to get there, but we're not going to do that. What we want to do today is continue worshiping God, continue praising God by looking back at these last three years. It's been three years since we've stepped on American soil. So you haven't seen us for three years physically, um, but we want to just look back. And this is so fun for Sean and I, because um, it's just the wind here, babe. is that my, it's just the wind. <laughs> So we haven't been here, uh, or what was I saying? Um, it's fun for Sean and I to look back at the three years because we get to see the big picture of what God has done in three years. And sometimes we just go step at a time and you kind of don't see as much as what God did. So this home assignment forces us to take a three-year wide picture and go, wow, God, you've really done some amazing and incredible things. And um, I can't tell you the countless times that we've gotten, uh, we were going through a hard time or it was a COVID elder meeting that got kind of crazy and somebody would message us randomly, not even knowing. And they'd say, you know, you guys were on our hearts last night. We've been praying for you. Thank you. And God does that and your prayers matter. So we're going to kind of tell you what God has done in these last three years. Yeah. So Many of you know that we, three years ago, we actually were here for about eight months um, in the States, 10 months all together. But it was a blessing to really be here and to serve and actually have a chunk of time with you guys a, th- a few years ago. But after we went back to Slovenia, we moved from the town that we had been living and serving in for seven years down in Kocheria, and we moved to the capital city of Ljubljana. We passed off the ministry in Kocheria to a young guy, Sergei. You can continue to pray for Sergei. Um, but passed that off to him and he took over the youth ministry and he is now in process of becoming the actual church pastor at a, in his mid twenties. So, um, please pray for him. He needs it. <laughs> and, um, but it's just a joy to see him growing and maturing in that as well. And now we were invited then to go to Ljubljana to our, 
to one of our main, main churches. And the youth ministry had kind of died out in that church over the last few years. And so they asked us to come with our four kids and help kind of jumpstart that youth ministry again. And so we started a couple of years ago with the junior high. And I was, I pulled in a few Slovenes to really help us out and to invest in them to take it ultimately. And last year we were able to graduate some of our kids to high school and along with one of the leaders that I had been mentoring and we started a new high school youth group and that is fully Slovene led. I'm not a part of that other than mentoring some of the leadership and stuff like that. But it's really exciting to see even at this point. Now it's been over the course of years that young people have been growing up in the church and they're growing to be leaders. And it's awesome and so encouraging to see now these youth that we've been pouring into years now as young adults leading the ministries. We have young Slovenes that are preaching and leading worship and leading youth groups and leading camps. And that's why we're there. It's not so that we can be the youth pastor and camp director for all of time. It's that we can be raising up young Slovenes to be doing this. And so that's really been exciting as we've left Coachella and turning that over to Slovenes. And now we're in the capital city and seeing them start now the high school youth group and hopefully in the next couple of years take over the junior high and just continuing to grow and become young adults. There's also really exciting. There are young Slovenes getting married and starting first generation born believers, born in Christian families. That hasn't happened. That's a big deal. And you probably know this. Um, we can clap just, just a sec because this is pretty cool. Um, there is only 1% of believers. And some of you have already heard us share that, but for some of you who don't know, Slovenia is not a Christian culture. There's one percent. Less than a percent. Because it's, it's one, less than one in a thousand are Christian. And that's double from 10 years ago. Yes. So, so 10 years ago when we got there, there were only 800 believers in the country. And now there's a little over 2,000 out of the 2 million plus people in Slovenia. So when Sean says he saw a youth pastor, we can clap. Yeah. A youth turn into a youth pastor to turn into a pastor and generations getting married and raising Christian families. That's a big deal. Like that is mm-hmm. a big deal. So we praise God for that. Um, and it's just incredible even just to have our kids a part of our ministry. I don't know where our They're kids are right now. <laughs> There's Somewhere. a couple, there's one over there, yeah. But anyways, um, some of the kind of update on also what God's been doing that's been really exciting is many of you know that there's been war in Ukraine. And Josiah Venture has a lot of missionaries in Ukraine. Mo- the majority of the Americans were evacuated and the women and children were evacuated, but many of our Ukrainian fellow missionaries had to stay and... And it's been actually, they wanted to stay because they have been there serving. They've been delivering food and supplies to people hiding out in subways and in bunkers. They've been delivering. We've, as an organization, been able to bring over 500 something metric tons of food and medical supplies into Ukraine. Every day since the war started, Josiah Venture has filled a 50 passenger bus with food and supplies, driven it into Ukraine, into dangerous places, unloaded it, filled it with people and taken it back out again every day. Over five and a half thousand people we've been able to evacuate in this way. We've also got guys in vans that are going out to even more dangerous areas with just dark paneled vans going in, also filled with supplies, drop as much as they can to those that they, that are stuck there, fill it with women and children, drive them to some of our church hubs where they can then get on these big buses and get out of the country. And then when they get out of the country, we have two Josiah Venture hubs. There's a camp facility in Poland and one in Czech. They come to these facilities and from there we can give them more food and water and supplies, find out if they have any contacts around Europe that we can get them to or transport them to one of our other partner churches around Europe because there are millions and millions of people just piling over the border and they can't sustain them around Poland and Slovakia and in in the closer regions. And so we're sending them, taking them to our other churches and plugging them in. And our church alone, we are now a third Ukrainian Mm-hmm. Our youth group is now a third Ukrainian. Yep. And we have, God even provides, provided in so many of the details a few years ago, a Ukrainian family moved to Slovenia and has been a part of our church already. 
And with that, they were able to bring their family and other people. And they have now been leading the main ministry to Ukrainians in the whole country of Slovenia. There's thousands of Ukrainians in Slovenia. And at the end of this summer, they're going to be doing two camps, a kids camp and a junior high camp for over 120 kids. And they're going to be, they're doing all kinds of outreach to the Ukrainian families. One of their kids, he's 14. He's in our junior high youth group. He translates my Bible talks into Ukrainian for the Ukrainian kids. It's things like that where we're just so excited. And I've seen his name is Tim, Team. If you want to pray for him, as it's been awesome to see him really grow and step up and really own that ministry that he has to fellow Ukrainians, to translate the games and to welcome them in and translate between them and the Slovene kids and it's just been awesome to see him really even grow in that role. We got a message from his dad uh, this week, and he said, thank you, Sean. Uh, he was telling Sean some thank you. We actually got some support specifically to their family as they lead camps. He quit his job. Matter of fact, his dad... Uh, took well, he didn't just quit his job. He worked for a Ukrainian tech firm, and everything right. shut down. So That's he's true. out of a job. Right. But he's been just giving all that their family's been giving all they have to support the Ukrainians coming in. Yeah. And uh, so he, for two years now, he's been asking our pastor, hey, how can I serve the church? How can I serve? I want to serve. And our pastor's like, well, you don't know English very good. You don't know Slovene very good. And you know Ukraine. So I don't know what you can do. But he's trying to give him and he keeps going, pastor, I could do more. I can serve more. I could serve more. Anyways, this Ukraine war happened. He goes, pastor, I can't do any more. <laughs> I have too much. I have too much. I need help <laughs> so and he is serving and so you he can wrote, pray for him his name is alexey and his wife is yulia yeah he wrote sean this week and he said sean thank you thank you for the support you gave um we had some friends say please send that guy some support as he's doing in camp ministry he writes sean he says just so you know yesterday 10 ukrainians pray uh to accept G- or he just said pray for jesus so we believe we had 10 ukrainian kids prayed for, prayed jesus, for jesus at camp we believe they made decisions to follow the Lord at camp. So And so, yeah, we have, like I mentioned, we have two Ukrainian-specific camps at the end of summer. But also, the Ukrainians have also been going to our English camps, our music camps throughout this summer already. And they're also, this family has been going to every single camp and being this, the Ukrainian translation and working with those groups of kids. And so, about the camp facility that's going on. Yeah, so then a really awesome opportunity then as well is... For many years, we've had our our pastor's family has had this church property, uh, well, their personal property that they've been using for camp ministry. And recently, they were able to get a loan and to build a new lodge because before that, it was just little wooden two by four plywood cabins and a frames that we were using. But now we're actually building a large concrete brick structure timeout lodge. There was actually grass like growing up through the cabins. There's no electricity, you know, two by four plywood type structures. And we used it every summer, but it truly was only like a camping facility. Yeah. And the, our pastors, this land, this is the first um, Christian camp facility in all of Slovenia. And the only that we know of. It's yeah. the only real actual Christian camp facility. And what's awesome is we've been able to be building a main lodge now, and that's in the works. The phase one is done. And an awesome God story on that. We got this bid in and got it started before the crazy spike in building material su- supplies. And the right before we left for Slovenia, we were there talking with the pastor and the contractor. And he said, if you rebid this right now, it would be double the price. So God saved us over $100,000 by having us get that done a few months ago compared to today. And so even in that, where it's the phase one is done, we were able to put from some of your donations as well, we were able to put a kitchen in so that they could have actually use it, the ground floor and the meeting room and stuff for camps this summer. But we still have the rest of it that can be potential to be finished out and then used for year-round camps and retreats and things. And so, yeah, so that's something we can praise God that this is the first time that we've come back to America for a home assignment and not needed to raise our own personal support. We are fully supported right now. Every time we've had to come back and raise like 500 a month or 1,000 a month, 
But we are back and we're still fully supported. So thank you guys for your faithful support and for those that even added since then and, and raised support. Thank you so much. And with that, we are then able to be pouring the extra support into this camp facility that can be used year round. So if any of you feel you're being called to lead, to give, um, everything goes straight into ministry and we can even, we even have a separate account going right now for finishing this camp facility that more and more people can be hearing the gospel. This summer, around five, six hundred, almost 500 people will be hearing the gospel in Slovenia, mostly for the first time. So we can, through, through, that's just through camps, just through the camp ministries through this summer. And so, which fuels our youth group. Yep. And some, some of you have been there. The Salisbury's have been there. Who else has been there with Sarah, Sarah Miller also came with us. Yep. And so you can ask them about it as well. They came and they were a part of these camp ministries, but there's a we could lot. go on and on and on, <laughs> but uh, maybe one quick thing. We are going to get a lot of questions. Um, we hear this quite a bit, so I just want to say it publicly. Some people go, didn't your house burn down a year and a half ago? Um, yes, our house did burn down. It was a miracle that we all got out of the house. And you know that song actually that we sang today was very fitting. That um, If I could quote it, something about he, there's hope in the ashes. Right? I, I don't know. Some of you probably could pull out your lyric thing. But um, God has done some miracles through burning our house down. And one of the things that I felt like God was challenging us to do was praise him in the storm. Right? And sometimes all we have is a whisper because it's really hard season and there's storms. And, and I think this is maybe a word for somebody here, but or all of us, even myself included. But, you know, we're... We all go through hard times, and sometimes those are the hardest times to say, you know, God is good, or he has a plan. And we know that's true, but sometimes our whispers of praise to our God through storms echoes louder in the valleys than a shout when all things are great on a rooftop. And so I just encourage you because God used our fire. It was really hard. It was a miracle. My kids could tell you how they... um we're trying to get out and we couldn't see and they were trying to knock a window You'll have out. Those more details later, but it's for sure. And, but a lot of story on that. God pulled us through and then, and then he used our story to connect us with the community. We actually went on a news, uh, the news recorded us and today it's the highest or last year in the whole year. It was the highest commented and news you. article in all of Slovenia in that entire year, most watched. And let me tell you, we shared the gospel on national television through our fire. God gave me a verse the day before. That's right. Uh, God gave me the, a verse the day before. He, and he said this. I told Sean this. I, he said, I closed my Bible. It's just so clear that God was shouting this verse at me. And it was in Isaiah 42, 1 through 3. And he said, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. And I looked at Sean. I said, I just hear the Lord saying that to me. And I, I think it's because of COVID season and things are going to get harder but I, I held on, and he said, you can trust me. I felt God really speaking that. And then that night, that our, house night our house burned down. And I heard that verse repeated. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. So we shared that on national television. We shared how God walked us through, how he was with us. The newscaster said, um, maybe you guys should look a little less joyful. Or maybe like... Yeah, not it, just, have, it looks suspicious so, that you guys are so happy that your house burned down. And we said, like, but <laughs> God pulled us, all of us kids, all my family, none of us lost our lives. God did miracles. He spoke to us. He pulled us out of the fire and yep. that gospel message went out publicly and it connected our community they helped us get back to school supplies it was just amazing how god used ask us more about these yeah. details there's a lot <laughs> so that's all i think that's about it um other than thank you guys yep. for standing with us there's so much more we could share just praise god for how good he is even in the storms how faithful he is um and that he uses hard times to echo out and and really spread the gospel that's what it's about so thank you we love you guys and i'm gonna give it over to sean because i think he has a word out of nehemiah today for you all okay do you guys mind if i shuffle these a little bit yeah so today we're going to be in nehemiah chapter nine so if you have your bibles you can pull that out and as i was going through my own personal bible reading I came through Nehemiah and God really spoke to my heart 
as I was reading and, and seeing how relentlessly and faithfully he was pursuing the Israelites. How so many times he was doing things. He was reaching out to them. He was calling them. And so just with his endless, great pursuant love, and that really just stood out to me, especially in Nehemiah chapter 9. And so we are first going to go through a little context um, that comes up to that, and then we'll pray and read the word. Um, yeah, so first, God sent Nehemiah to the Israelites to help them rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, all while getting threats of attack from their surrounding enemies. And when the wall was finished, their surrounding nations were afraid because they realized that God had helped them to rebuild these walls. After the wall was finished the people and the people got settled, then at that point, the Israelites, they all gathered together. And one morning, and Ezra opened the book of the law and read it to the people. When they heard the word of God, they wept and they grieved because they realized that they had not been following God. They had not been living for him. And even in that, God brought them back and restored them and rebuilt their walls. They hadn't been seeking God. They hadn't been following him. Nehemiah just went back and said, hey, let's rebuild these walls of the city. And God blessed them and helped them despite them. As they realized this, then as Ezra read the book of the law, then the Levites were also there and they were helping to explain it, that everyone really clearly understand it. And then the Israelites, they fasted and prayed and confessed their sin and they worshiped God. They worshiped God for how he had pursued them and blessed them despite them. The, the title of the message today um, is God's Loving Pursuit. And this brings us to our passage today in chapter 9. As the Israelites confess their sin and praise their God for so faithfully loving and pursuing them. So if everyone's there in Nehemiah chapter 9... Um, as you follow along, listen for all of the ways that God spoke, that he gave, he showed his love, his compassion, and then notice the different ways that people responded. Sometimes they responded positively, sometimes not, as we often do. Um, let me find it myself here, as the wind keeps turning my pages for me. I'm going to first pray, and then we are going to read this chapter. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you have given us this amazing gift of your word that we can have, that we can read, that we have hope to know you. Thank you for continuing to pursue us and chase us with your love, even when we aren't pursuing you. God, I pray that you soften and open our hearts to hear from you today. I pray you guide my words that they wouldn't be mine, but that they would be yours, that you would really lead this time and lead us to you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in chapter 9 of Nehemiah, verse 5. And we're going to read it through 37. So it's kind of a chunk, but it's really powerful. And I really want you to feel how many times it says you do this. Pay attention to how many times it's referring to God, saying you did this, you did that, as we go through. Okay, verse 5. And the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmael, Bani, Heshbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pathaliah said, Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Praise be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of the earth of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him to give him and to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Girgashites. You have kept your promises because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our forefathers in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh and against all his officials and all the people of his, of his land. For you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. 
You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. And in their thirst, you brought water from the rock. You told them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our forefathers, became arrogant and stiff-necked and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and their rebellion appoint- and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, or when they committed unlawful, when they committed awful blasphemies because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the desert. By day, the pillar of cloud did not cease to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years, you sustained them in the desert. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their sons as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their forefathers to enter and possess." Their sons went in and took possession of the land you subdued before them. The Canaanites who lived in the land, you handed the Canaanites over to them, along with their kings and the peoples of the land, to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile lands. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well-nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They put your law behind their backs. They killed your prophets who had admonished them in order to turn them back to you. They committed un- they committed awful blasphemies. You handed them over to their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you from heaven. You heard them in your great compassion You gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard them from heaven. And in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. You warned them to return to your law, but they became arrogant and disobedient and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinances by which if a man will live, a man will live if he obeys them. Stubbornly, they returned, they turned their backs on you, became stiff necked and refused to listen. For many years, you were patient with them. By your spirit, you admonished them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you handed them over to their neighboring peoples, but in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, mighty, and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come upon us, upon our kings and leaders, upon our priests and prophets, upon our fathers and all your peoples, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today, in all that has happened to us, you have been just. You have acted faithfully, while 
we did wrong. Our kings, our leaders, our priests, and our fathers did not follow your law. They did not pay attention to your commands or the warnings you gave them. Even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying the, your goodness, your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our forefathers so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. That was quite a chunk, wasn't it? <laughs> but that is a very powerful passage there. Even as I read through this, again, I am still overwhelmed by God's love, his patience, his goodness. And even when we're stubborn and refuse to listen to him, he is chasing us with his love. And just so many times, I counted, I counted over 50 times in that passage that it said, you, referring to God, you gave, you chased us, you with God's love and with you spoke, you are forgiving, you made, you heard, you are gracious, you are compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. So many times God is constantly pursuing us, loving us, prepare, protecting us, taking care of us. I highlighted in pink through there all of the times that it said you did something. And then I saw the contrast and I highlighted in green our responses, the people's responses to God. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But oftentimes it was more on the side of rebellion and the people just in, our, in their own stubbornness and not following God, even while they're living in his promised land. So we can all admit we all have a sinful nature, right? We all have sin in our life. None of us are perfect. None of us will be until we get to heaven. So until then, we will all have it in us at times to be arrogant, to be stubborn, to be disobedient, to be sinful, refusing to listen to God. But God will always continue to show us his love. God will always be there pursuing us, seeking us. And as God's word also tells us, he's a loving father. And a loving father also disciplines his children. So we also saw this many times as we saw how God would bring in the surrounding nations, put some oppression on, and then they'd, oh, crap, oh, God, please save us. And then they'd go, oh, yes, thank you, God. And they come over to the good side. They're praising God. Thank you for saving us. But then they kind of wander off on their other direction again, off on their own. And again, God has to put oppression over them. And then they cry, oh, God, save us, help us. And then God comes, saves them like, oh, thank you, God. And then they're praising God for half a generation, maybe. And then you see the cycle over and over again. And often I honestly see this cycle in myself at times. There are times where I'm following God, everything goes great. Even when we were serving in Slovenia, after a few years, I, I was following God, of course, but I still felt like I started to kind of go on autopilot in ministry, started to kind of check out from like the super dependence on God and was more and more just really going in autopilot. Many of you that have had jobs for many years, you know how easy it is just to kind of go in autopilot and you don't even think about what you're doing. And God had to wake me up a few, a few years back as well and say, hey, you got to depend on me. And so in Israel's case here, we see that here he tell when the people refuse to listen to God, he brings their surrounding armies to oppress them. Um, but we see it over and over again. So the, that cycle. And today we're going to look at three applications from this chapter. And the first one is, what does this mean for us as a nation? The second is, what does this mean for us as a church? And the third is, what does this mean for us personally? So as a nation, as a church, and personally. So first starting as a nation. We can see in America that for a long time, we have been a nation blessed by God. The whole world looks at America as the worldwide promised land. We see this in Slovenia. They're like, why would you guys come to Slovenia? You lived in America. I'm like, yeah, this is where God called us. And this is where he's leading us to be. But people don't get that. But many people now maybe are starting to get that a little more. If you're in America, you're like, man, maybe we should get out of here. I don't know, but like, 
or maybe at least move out to like Wyoming or Texas or something, you know, where things are still America. <laughs> but all that jokingly to say, we can see that this nation was once greatly blessed by God. And then now we can see these last couple generations, how it's quickly been turning from God. And it seems to me that God's been removing, slowly removing his hand of protection from America. You can see the contrast in states that are more liberal, I guess, or the states that are really turning from God more, you can see God pulling his protection from them. And everything, especially in these last few years, from COVID and vaccines to racial wars to pro-choice and gender confusion, starting with children in schools and telling them they can have a choice of if they want to be a boy or a girl when they're in kindergarten. This is like 10 years ago, people would not even think that that would even be imaginable. But I believe this is all a very intentional and evil attack from the enemy to divide our country, to divide the church, divide everybody, because the enemy knows that we are more powerful with God. But if he divides us, gets us on our own, that we're not working together, that's his only hope to bring us down. And we've seen many people, we've seen churches dividing and splitting over trivial things in these last few years. But we also read here three times in this chapter how when God's people rebelled and they turned over to their to be oppressed, then when they cried out to God, he heard them and he healed their land and he delivered them from their oppressors. If in Second uh, Chronicles seven thirteen and 14, the Lord appeared, appeared to Solomon and he said, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I know this is a familiar verse, but something stood out to me when I read it most recently. It was the part where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. It's not saying if every... God forsaken, like completely non-believer, atheist. Like it's not saying if all of these people that are rejecting God will turn from their ways and call on me. He's saying if my people, we are God's people, those that know God, that have a relationship with him, if we will call on him and we will pray, I believe there's hope for this land. If we can bring unity in our churches and not be fighting over if we have a vaccine or not, but be really fighting against the enemy over what really matters and be unified in the gospel and bring people to Jesus because people are dying and they need Jesus before they go. So that brings us to what does this mean for us as a church? We are in a spiritual war for every soul on this planet. And with God, we know we have power over our enemy. And we know that we'll have the final victory in the end. But our enemy knows that too. Satan knows his end. He knows where he's going and he wants to take as many down with him as possible before he gets there. But we have God. We have that encouragement. We we have that hope in Jesus that we have the power over the enemy. But the fact that he knows that as well, that's where his most effective technique that he has against us is to divide us because he knows we are his more more powerful opponent and to get us fighting against each other instead of against our true spiritual enemy. So as everyone knows, people have always, we always have a tendency of taking things to extremes, right? There's, there's the one way or the other. It's kind of like some people are kind of like, ah, whatever. Some people are kind of lax in the middle, but there's often people that go to either extreme and adding rules to God's word or often like fighting over doctrinal differences that aren't really the foundational gospel. But the funny thing with that is when we start disagreeing over things, oftentimes we're both partly wrong. If we come down to the center, the core of what we truly believe, we agree on that. But oftentimes we both go further and further to extreme where we're, we're arguing over things that don't really matter 
And we both go to the extreme where we're both a little bit wrong on our extreme. And so coming back, knowing God's word, sticking to the core, the foundation, what's really important, that's where we're going to bring unity. I know it maybe sounds like I'm really going hard on this, like unity and this division stuff, but we've been seeing it so much. And especially as we have multiple supporting churches and we're, as we're in contact with them and we're hearing all the division, it's, it breaks my heart to hear how much division there is in the church and how many people just over these last couple of years have been fighting and leaving the church over things that are so ridiculous that don't matter eternally. So I'll step off that soapbox for a, for a minute now. Um, we see that there are so many different denominations, so many divisions. And if we're all reading the same Bible, where does this come from? In Second Timothy 4.3, It says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. People want to hear what sounds good to them. One thing that I've always appreciated about this church is that Jason and Chris preach the word. They don't hop around and pick things out of context and preach what sounds good, but they preach through the Bible. Don't skip a single verse and you preach what it says. And I appreciate that. And I think that's one of the things that's really kept this church so strong is preaching through the Bible verse by verse and not skipping what's difficult. Not going for what sounds good. There are so many churches out there that just want to draw the crowds and don't want to offend people. It's like, well, you know, we don't want to scare them away. We want to bring them in so they can hear the gospel. But then they don't preach the gospel. They're... You have, I mean, some of you are familiar with even a church in Cannon Beach that stuck to what the gospel said and had to leave their denomination for it. There are whole denominations appointing gay pastors. There are churches that if you, in this, if you're an affiliated church in this denomination and if you don't support that, you lose your church as this church in Cannon Beach was going to do if they didn't go along with that. They stood against it and they had to buy their church for a million dollars. Can you imagine if you had to buy this all over again because it was owned by your denomination? This is happening across the country and most of the churches can't afford to rebuy their church. And so what's happening is they're losing their current leadership. They're getting kicked out and new leadership is coming in that will support the new agenda. This is happening across the country. And why? Because the people in the church don't know God's word. They don't know the gospel. They haven't read it for themselves to know what's right and wrong. And I, I really am encouraged and, and commend you guys for sticking to God's word. You, you don't shy away from that. And I praise God for that, that there are churches still that stick to God's word. In verse 26, we also see that the Israelites were killing their own prophets because they didn't like being corrected from their awful blasphemies. No one wants to be called a sinner, but we all are sinners. I'm a sinner. I have things all the time that I'm like, oh yeah, God. Like we all have kind of those things that God's kind of prodding us on saying, hey, come on, get back on path or don't do that or do this. But I'm sure all of you can think of something that, that God's kind of been poking prod in you on. And you're like, oh, but I like this one. It's, it's not hurting anybody, you know. Can I just keep this one little sin? It's, it's not that bad. We minimize it. We're like, try and keep it in the dark. Keep it a secret. Nobody needs to know about this. But the thing is, it's destroying you. It destroys you and those closest to you. If we really know God's word then we know what sin is. And the only way you really know God's word is to read it. Not only on Sundays when you hear it preached, but through the week on a daily basis, knowing God's word. So that if someone stands on this pulpit, if I stand up here and I say something that's not right, I hope every single one of you guys would be able to know it, know it's not right and know why and know what verse backs why it's not. You should never just believe everything that any preacher stands up on the pulpit and says. You should know God's word for your own and check God's word on your own. And if a pastor or a preacher says something, 
have the courage to step up to them and talk to them about it. Ask them. Maybe they're off. Maybe you're off. But either way, don't just let it slide anytime or another believer, another brother or sister in Christ. If, if you're hearing and discussing the word together, we need to know it and we need to discuss it. We need to talk with each other about it and call each other out on it. And also be humble enough to admit that maybe you're the one that's in the wrong. Maybe you've understood it wrong all these years and you need corrected. I know that my doctrine has changed multiple times over the course of my life. And I'm sure I'm still wrong on many other things that will change in the years ahead. But all that to say, unity is so huge in the church. And when we recognize God's love for us, God's pursuant of us, all of God's blessings to us and seeing how God is caring for us and providing for us, then that can turn our eyes away from distracting and division of other things and really focus on the gospel and what's truly important. We've seen this even in Slovenia, where for many years we have only a couple denominations in Slovenia, but they weren't talking to each other. And even among some similar denomination, they weren't talking to each other. They weren't working together. But what's really exciting is over these last few years, they've been working together, joining together for big evangelistic outreaches, things that have got the attention of mayors and even the president of Slovenia. We have had, some of you know of Nick Vujicic. He has no arms, no legs, and travels the world sharing the gospel. He sat in the president's office and prayed with him. And the president said, this is the first time that there's ever been prayer in this office. And he thanked, the president thanks Nick for his ministry and for reaching out and said, my son needs to hear this. My son needs to come and hear, hear you speak. And there's so many things where there's another city in Cocheo, um, in Novomesto. It's, um, a town about 45 minutes from where we are, where they have a really big problem with gypsies and crime and drugs and theft. And they've been working on trying to help this community for years. And then the church in this town went out and did outreach to this community. And they've been leading them to Jesus. There's been miraculous healings. There's been miraculous conversions where people are giving their lives to Jesus. And these gypsies are now going and evangelizing out to other gypsies around the country and around their community. And in the last few years, the the gypsy-specific crime, which is a majority of the crime, has almost completely stopped. It's drastically dropped. And so the mayor came to this church and asked him, what are you doing? We've been investing thousands of dollars and years of our time trying to deal with this community and deal with the crime and the drugs in the city. And just in a couple of years, it's like drastically dropped. And our mayor was able to hear from that pastor, the gospel, and say, it's the gospel that is changing people. It's the gospel that is changing your city. And the president is able to see it's the gospel that is changing his nation. And he sees, I want this for this country. So it's been really exciting just to see how God has been opening doors all the way to the top. So, yeah, so that's a little more on the nation side of things. But as we review then, as a nation, we need to humble ourselves, pray and seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, and then God will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and will heal our land. And then as a church, we must stay unified on sound doctrine and focused on sharing the clear gospel of Jesus Christ as the only way, truth, and life. And this brings us to our third point is, what does this mean for us personally? For me personally, I have to stay humble. I have to be open and willing to hear someone call me out when I'm wrong. Usually it's my wife and kids because they see it the most. (laughs) But I have to be humble enough to accept that and to hear that. I also need to be spending time in the word so that God can be convicting me, that God can be speaking to my heart. And if I'm only showing up on Sundays or midweek and calling it good, that's not enough. That's not enough to sustain you. It's like ask anybody that does weightlifting or physical sports training. If you work out once a week, you're just going to hurt yourself once a week. (laughs) You're not really going to improve. You've got to exercise at least three times as barely maintenance, four to five times to actually see any progress. And in a similar way, I see that with, with our faith. If you only hear, if you only open your Bible once a week, 
you're actually hurting yourself in a way because you're giving yourself this false idea that you're good. It's like, well, I did church. I read my Bible, got my challenge for the week. And you leave it at that. That's actually not bringing you forward. You have a lot of people in churches that are stuck where they're at because they're not moving forward. So personally spending time in God's word regularly and being willing to admit when we are in the wrong. And his grace, as we saw in this passage, I challenge you guys to read it again and go through and highlight all the times that it says you did this and highlight all those things. And just read through that a couple times and see how much God is pursuing us, how much God is loving you despite what you deserve or not. And then recognize how you're responding to God in that and recognize all of his grace and compassion that he has faithfully been giving you. Look back on life and see all the ways that he has worked in your life over the years. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We all need healing, whether that's physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual. And we need each other for that friendship and accountability to to pray with each other, to go through life together with each other. I have a personal challenge for everyone today specifically that first, think of something that you know God's been convicting you on. Something he's been convicting you to do or maybe not to do. It shouldn't take too long because he's probably been prodding on it. I know I can think of a couple things still. One of them being speeding. I know some of you that know me well know that I like to drive fast. <laughs> and I always have. And it's been a challenge to keep that under control. But God's been working on me on that as well with lots of tickets and other things. But um, it's whatever it is, whether it's something funny like that or other things, um, Whatever it is, think about what, what is it right now that God's calling you to do or to not to do. And now I'm going to think, have you think of a friend that's close, that's trusted, that you're going to tell that to. Think of their name. And I challenge you to go this week, whether that's after church today, and just find them and say, hey, we need to meet this week. I have something to talk to you about. Or call them up if it's somebody that's not here. I got something to talk with you about. And then ask them to hold you accountable to that and be accountable with each other and pray together, heal each other, heal hearts. Everyone's got baggage from their life that needs prayer through. It's funny. I, and many men will probably um, understand this. I used to think that counseling was for women and for people that really had like mental issues. And then I got counseling and realized, wow, I've got issues <laughs> and I need counseling. <laughs> and counseling was so powerful for me and so healing for me. And none of us, I, I truly believe now that every single person on this planet needs counseling for something. <laughs> so I challenge you to seek that out and to, it doesn't always have to be a professional counselor, but it can be a close, godly, trusted friend that you can go to and pray with each other and counsel each other through God's word. But that's the challenge. What's God calling on you to do or not do? And who are you going to talk to about it this week? And remember that this is for your blessing, for your healing, for your freedom. Life can be better. Life can be freer if we can let these burdens off of us and come to God. And the awesome blessing with that is, think of a time when someone's come to you and done that for you, how open and connecting that is with that person when someone's vulnerable with you and opens their heart to you it will bond relationships you guys will make friendships and connections that in deepness and relationship that you didn't know was even possible just within this body and that's that's why god calls us partly to gather together is to lift each other up to support each other in prayer and in accountability so let's be the church for each other here and do that as well so kind of wrapping up now, as we go from here today, let's keep fresh in our minds 
all that our loving father God has done for us and how much he's pursuing us. Think back to the times and the miracles that God's done in your life and share those with somebody as well. Because there are people that need to hear that God is real and that God does do miracles. And remember the times of his grace and compassion, his forgiveness. Think of all the things he's forgiven you for already and still to be forgiven for. And then his instruction that he has for our good. And then remembering his good gift of Sabbath rest. His This day that we can take and take a day off of work and rest and spend time in his word and spend time with each other. That's a gift from God as well. And remember his patience with us when we are stubbornly holding on to our sin and he is continuing to bless us and do miracles in our lives despite us living in sin and he still is calling you and pursuing you. And sometimes with a firm hand, but still day to day, he is constantly pursuing us with his love. So let's start each day with our perfect father so we can get his instru- his instructions for each day, his example on how to live and to love like him to those around us. And then as a nation and church and as an individual with our hearts full of his love, as every morning we fill with him, then we can go and pour that out to those around us. So let us be quick to confess our sin to God and to one another and to share God's love with everyone around us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your faithfulness, your grace, your patience with us. God, thank you that despite us, you still love us and pursue us. God, I pray that this week, that every single one of us would find somebody to talk to, that we would connect, that we would share with them what you're calling us to, the ministry that you're putting on our hearts, the sin that you're calling us to turn from, And I pray that you would give us a name of a person that you know that we can trust and we can open up to and that we can go deeper with and have accountability with and follow up with each other with and pray for healing with. God, I pray that you would lead us daily in your word, not just once a week or twice a week when we gather, but daily in your word, God. I pray that you would help us to know your words so well that we would not accept false doctrine, that we would not accept the ways of this world, that we would not accept the sin in our own lives. Thank you, God, that you love us so much and that you've put so many good people around us that love us as well, that we're not in this life alone and that we can go through this life in ministry and whatever this world's going to throw at us in the next rest of our life. We know it's going to get worse, God. You've said many times in your word, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So I pray that you would help us to stay unified and have the support of those around us to share your word with those around us and to live for you. In Jesus' awesome and loving name we pray. Amen. Amen. So many good exhortations in that. I want the whole Word of family to come up here if possible. So can the kids come up here too? I think you guys would agree. They blessed us today. So we want to pray for these guys. Remember to be praying for these guys as they finish up their trip here and they head back. And uh, always looked up to Sean. Actually, I called him this morning, wanted to know what he was wearing so I could match him. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and pray for these guys, all right? Lord God, thank you so much for the awesome testimonies. Man, just what a fitting chapter to go through too because all I heard in both Sean and Christina when they're sharing was like, God did this, God did this, God's mm-hmm. doing this. And Lord, it is you, the the center of everything good that's going on. And, and we want to acknowledge that because sometimes we lose sight of that. And so I just thank you for just all the answered prayers, all the um, fruit from their faithfulness and uh, that we get to hear this firsthand from them and we get to continue to be alongside them. Um, whether it's, you know, going over there physically at some point, we pray that that would be able to hap- uh, happen at some point, Lord. But also just um, through prayers, through reaching out to them and seeing how they're doing and uh, through finances, whatever it is, Lord, we just want to uh, continue to um, be connected so that we can be a part of this great work you're doing through them. And I do pray that as they continue their trip here, Lord, that um, 
they'd have time as a family just to be refreshed, uh, encouraged themselves, um, refueled for the work that you continue to have for them, Lord, the, the preordained good works that they're still to walk in. Um, we know you're, you haven't come back yet, so you're not done. Uh, there's work mm-hmm. to be done. And uh, I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for the example. I just thank you for all the the great um, principles that Sean pointed out in your scriptures today that um, we don't want to just hear them and go from here and forget them. We want to hold fast to those things. Mm-hmm. We want to, as your word so often exhorts us to be actively in things, we want to actively be those that are holding to the word, uh, are in it every day, are, are responding to your convictions and... Um, uh, allowing you to conform us to the image of your son, renewing our minds, standing on truth, Lord, and being mm-hmm. unified in it. Um, all these things that are definitely the heart of um, the leadership and the people of this church and that these guys share, Lord. So, Father, just, um, again, go before them and, and, and bless their, their, their messages at, at the churches they're going to be sharing up from here and bless them as uh, in their time when they go back home, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.